I just don't feel a lot of times like I fit in with the Abrahams and the Elijahs and the Moses type of people. People that have strong, great faith. Have you ever been to an air show? It's amazing to notice the power of the jets as they fly in tight formations in the sky. Such precision and carefulness is exhibited. Such power and form is noted. The F-16s and the F-18s of the Air Force Thunderbirds and the Navy Blue Angels, they, they move in breathtaking ways in their flight patterns. Flying about 50 feet off the runway, they can literally roar with power and they fly upside down and right side up and sideways. And at the same air show, there's other airplanes that are glorified crop dusters. Their pilots are not nearly as accomplished as those jet pilots. If you're one of those F-18s here this morning with faith enough to send a sonic boom throughout the heavens, I salute you. But if you don't have F-18 faith, I understand. Maybe your faith fits in the crop duster category. Maybe you're a lot like me. You're not that flashy. You fly low. And you seem to cover the same ground a lot. And some mornings, it's just hard to get the old engine cranked up. Anybody hear me today? Somehow, I have a suspicion that I'm not the only one here who has trouble with their faith sometimes in Jesus. I do have faith. And at times, it's just a little bit of faith. And forgive me this morning, but I'll not be preaching to the F-18s here today. I want to preach a little while to the crop dusters. Praise the Lord. I want to tell you today, there's more strength in your time of weakness than what you can even imagine. The devil will wreak havoc with your heart and convince you today that there's no use, there's no hope, what I've done is too bad, where I've been is too wrong, well, what I've said can never be taken back, and God don't love me, and there's just no faith left in me. I want to tell you today, you may not be sending a sonic boom through heaven, but my God knows what to do with people that have crop duster faith. Let me tell you about the difference between an F-18 at an air show and a crop duster. An F-18 is great at performance, but crop dusters feed millions of people around the world with what they do. There's more strength in you, man, and the impact you can have in the lives of people. Don't second-guess yourself, and sure, don't second-guess God. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost rumbling in the house right now. Praise God. The Bible declares to us that there was a certain woman, a woman who had endured an illness for 12 years. How long 
is 12 years. Well, it's 144 months, it's 624 weeks, it's 4,383 days, it's 105,192 hours. But 12 years is also long enough to graduate from high school. 12 years is long enough to become a doctor. It's long enough to exhaust all your resources on physicians and health care. It's long enough to be physically exhausted and socially ostracized. It's long enough to feed, feel the breath of the creditors coming down to take things away because you haven't been paying your bills. It's long enough to have all hope wrestle away out of your life. It's long enough for there to only remain just a small quantity of very weak faith. So consider with me this woman for a few minutes this morning. A certain woman. She's young, she's vibrant, she's healthy. She has a number of friends, close friends, dear friends who enjoy her company. She has her eyes set on one of the young men in the synagogue. She's full of life and full of laughter. And she suspects that the young man is as interested in her as much as she is interested in him. She has a warm home with parents who dote over her and she is the apple of their eye and there's nothing that they will not do for her. All of that was to change through one dreadful hour of her life. She suddenly finds herself in the clutches of a body that is violated by a malady, an issue of blood that refuses to stop. At first she calmly talks to herself There's nothing to fear and this will pass and I will be fine. But it doesn't. And it persists for a month and for two months and six months and even a year and it continues. And soon she informs her mother of the difficulty and her mother is devastated because of the nature of her illness. I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. Something is rumbling out of my spirit. God is speaking to somebody here today. I want to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost, your life ain't over yet. The mother finds it difficult to understand how can my daughter be rendered unclean because according to Old Testament law, based on the malady in her body, she was rendered unclean. The the Old Testament law stated according to Leviticus 15 that she was unclean and in their culture there was nothing higher than the law and what the law determined was clean was clean and What the law determined was unclean was unclean. This position of being unclean, this young woman soon found out that because of her condition, she couldn't go to church anymore. She was barred from the temple. She couldn't go in. Her worship was stifled. It was taken away from her. Please listen carefully to this message. The mother begins to feel the stigma that will be associated with her daughter's illness. And my word, when dad finds out, what will he say and how will he react? And what will the neighbors think? And and even what will the priest at the synagogue think when they find out that 
one of their more prominent families in the synagogue while their, their daughter has been barred and she can't even enter into the temple anymore. And over the following months, both daughter and mother began to try to treat this malady. They tried everything. They've tried everything. The Talmud, everybody say Talmud. The Talmud is a portion of the Jewish law written by the rabbis. In the Talmud, there is no less than 11 cures for this specific illness that this young woman had in her body. Listen carefully. The Talmud stated, Take the gum of Alexandria, the weight of a small silver coin, of Ilum, the same, of Crocus, the same. Let them be bruised together and given in wine to the woman that has the issue of blood. If this does not benefit, take of Persian onions three pints, boil them in wine, and give her to drink and say, Arise from thy flux. If this does not cure her, set her in a place where two ways meet and let her hold a cup of wine in her right hand and let someone come behind and frighten her and say, Arise from thy flux. In another place, the Talmud, the Talmud stated, For a woman who had this malady in her body, carry the ashes of an ostrich egg in a linen bag in the summer and a cotton rag in the winter and it will cure you of your malady. With all of these proceedings, her faith begins to waver. She went to the doctor. She went to doctor after doctor, hopeful that each could help her to recover. But all to no avail. As a matter of fact, Mark said in, in Mark 5 verse 26 that she had suffered many things of many physicians had spent all that she had and was not better. As a matter of fact, she was steadily growing worse. Over a period of time, she found that with the loss of blood, she became weak and anemic. She lost weight. Her eye sockets hollowed out. Her eyes lost the glow. Her hair simply wilted. But more than all of the physical changes were the mental changes. She went from bright, vibrant, and outgoing to withdrawn, forlorn, and hopeless. She is full of despair. She's no doubt by now thinking that I am dead. I'm not dead, rather, but I often wish that I were. Her despair affected everything about her. It affected the way she dressed. It affected her, the way she walked. She walked with her head down, alone and isolated. It caused her to be unable to look anyone in the eye for fear of the discovery of her secret. Her associations extended only to those who were sick like she was and she was unable to draw much encouragement from people of such like. And, and this is the point in the story where we've, we've just met a certain woman. But somehow in this certain woman's groping, she heard about a certain man. 
A man who had come to heal. A man who had come to save. A man who had come to remove the stigma of sin from the life of people. A man who came to be a world changer. No matter how weak our faith may be, there's an old, old song that goes something like this, standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by living, by the living word of God, I shall prevail because I'm standing on the promises of God. She found out where he was. She found out that he was somewhere in the region of Decapolis. So she begins her journey. Perhaps she found someone to loan her a small donkey to ride. She was so weak that she half clung to the animal more than rode him. She was so weak that she could not dig him in the sides. She just spent all of her energy trying to stay on the donkey. She could hardly guide him. She had just had to trust that he would follow the path in front of him. Arriving late in the night, so tired, so weary, so sick, she half falls out of the saddle and mumbles something to the innkeeper about needing a room, and he speculates that she's drunk, but she can pay. So he determines that for the money, he will not let her stay, uh, or he'll let her stay. Besides, uh, she won't be there very long. It'll be daybreak soon, and she'll be on her way. This certain woman stumbles into a small dingy room. She smells the stale sweat of some previous guest. She notices the traces of dirt at the edge of the wash basin. She notices that the towel on the linen rod are threadbare. She will only sleep a few hours. The bed is hard, the pillow's lumpy, and it has, has none of the characteristics of her home. But it doesn't matter because this is her last You have everybody in this building understands me. You question my title, does it make sense to strengthen weakness? Let me tell you about weak faith. I want everybody to understand you this morning. God is not after the quantity of your faith. He's after the presence of your faith. And I want you to listen to me. And this is what this woman is representing to me in this message. There's one thing that weak faith does. And that is something. There's one thing that weak faith does. And that is something. For God to move, you move. Don't have to be much, just move. If you want God to move in your life, just move a little towards Him. Just move. You don't have to jump 28 feet. You don't have to run forward 10 miles. Just do something. Look at your neighbor and as fervently as you can say, do something. Healing. Whether it's physical, emotional, 
mental, doesn't matter. Healing begins when we do something. Healing begins when we reach out. Healing begins when we take a step. God is always near. God is always available. But it only comes to those who are willing to do something. Oh, my. I want to tell the crop duster here this morning, you may feel weak. You may have staggered in here like a newborn giraffe wobbly on its legs. You may have all the sad stories to tell in a gloomy past and a hopeless future. But I'm here to tell you if you will take a step towards Jesus, there's a certain man that I know that can work amazing things in the lives of people, but you have to take a step toward him. Weak faith will do something. So here's the good news. You don't have to do much. Just do something. It just may be as simple as saying, God, forgive me. That's not hard. You don't have to have an F-18 sonic boom jet airplane engine to say, God, forgive me. A crop duster can do that. Y'all forgive my analogy, and I hope you understand it. If you don't see me after church. You may not be the jet airplane. You might be that little Don't ask me to do that again. <laughs> but if it's nothing more than saying, God, forgive me. If it's nothing more than letting go of bitterness. If it's nothing more than allowing your anger to subside. If it's nothing more than allowing the resentment of your status in life to be pushed aside by a new status in life. If it's just simply a refusal to be jealous. If it's just confessing. If it's just calling your mother. If it's just talking to your daddy. If it's just communicating with a sister or a brother, if it's being baptized or even being re-baptized, a crop duster can do that. You don't have to have an F-18 pilot sitting in your heart to guide you to a real, fresh, brand new, anointed, fervent relationship with God. It just takes faith. It doesn't matter how beat up it is. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter how you've been living. God just wants faith to do something. A little bit of faith can pray. You don't have to have an F-18 jet airplane engine to say, God, help me. Somebody needs to get some inappropriate theology out of your head, man. I know Jesus complimented people because great was their faith. 
And I'm not seeing his great a faith like this in Israel, Jesus said one time. There's other people. Their little faith was just putting along. And it was hard to get the engine primed and cranked up, man. And they wasn't really sure their little plane was going to carry them where they wanted to go. I love what one comedian said one time. And he was flying on an airplane and the engine went out and the man beside him got all upset. He said, oh, 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 scared to death, man. How long can we go on this one engine? And the man responded and said, all the way to the scene of the crash. You'll get there 30 minutes before the paramedics do. I'm here to tell somebody here this morning. Folks, I can't explain to you what I feel in my spirit right now. But there's people here right now that think that my faith is weak and wobbly and it ain't been exercised in months and years. It doesn't matter. Can you please hear me today? God just needs your faith to do something. He's not concerned about how much you've got and how good a shape it's in. And when was the last time you used it? He just wants you to look to him and say, God, I need you today. You can take a little bit of faith and pray with it. You can take a little faith and teach with it. You can take a small quantity of faith and go witness to somebody. You can feed somebody that's hungry with a little bit of faith. Faith with no effort is no faith at all. It took great efforts for this woman to get up, but she knew that for her to intersect the path of this certain man, she had to find him, and that's what she did. She had barely gotten out of the little lodge before she heard the noises of a huge crowd, almost like a march, a parade. People were talking, dogs were barking, and then she looked up and saw the man. He almost looked kind of plain and ordinary. And maybe she began to think that she was mistaken about all she had heard about this plain and ordinary man. And maybe some of the stories were taken out of context and stretched a little bit. Let me tell somebody here today, this may not look like a big whoop to you when you walk in the door. It may not be a beautiful sanctuary to you. And these people that are here today may seem just a tad weird. And they do strange things. But I'm here to preach to you this morning that the man is here. And he may look ordinary, but he's here. He's here. But he's more than ordinary. Because he's more than just a certain man. And I'm not talking about me. And I'm not talking about these guys or anyone else. I'm talking about Jesus. And there's people here today that's brushed up against him before. And felt the power that rumbles out of his spirit and out of his presence. Just being there. Just being around him. You feel it. And there's people here this morning that's had goosebumps coursing all over your body. And you can't figure it out. And you're rubbing your arms saying, my God, what's going on with this? I'm here to tell you you that the certain man is God man and it doesn't matter how weak you feel and how confused you are it doesn't matter where you've been the man the man 
so she had other she had done other things that was really considered stupid. She remembered carrying the the ashes of an ostrich egg for some two years. During the summertime, she put it in a linen bag. During the wintertime, she carried it in a cotton bag. She had done some pretty stupid things. And so have some of you. Have really done some stupid bonehead things. She was doing some stupid bonehead things, and she was doing it with all of her heart, man. So, if Jesus didn't heal her, it would just be another secret. And just another item to add on the long list of failures. But then then she waves into the crowd. Jostled and pushed out of the way, she reaches and almost touches him. But just as her outstretched hand reaches, some smelly shepherd brushes her hand aside and she missed. The little woman is doing her best to escape the attention of the crowd and of Jesus for that matter. She's an outcast. Remember, she's been barred from the temple. If some of these people found out who she was and what was wrong with her, she'd never get close to Jesus again. I could stop and preach right there a long time. Sometimes it's better just to keep the secret and just take it to the men. Augustine said that flesh presses, but faith touches so she reaches out to touch him again and this time she stumbles on some sandal foot and begins to fall to the ground but in her falling she reaches totally extends her sick sick weak body and her hand barely brushes his robe before the ground explodes beneath her her ears are ringing her head's bruised dirt's all mixed in with her hair but something's different She feels different. Something has happened. She can't explain it. But the feeling she waded into the crowd with is gone. And all of a sudden this man stops dead in his tracks. Turns around and asks what seems to be such a rhetorical question. Who? In a sea of a hundred hands, Jesus sees that one that's raised and just a little faith doing something. And though her faith is imperfect and her strength feeble, let me tell you something today. Jesus told her, and I'm going to put it in my words, your faith has healed you today, Jesus said. Not your touch. Your faith healed you, not your touch. Healing is in what you believe, not in your know-how. Healing is in what you believe, not in your know-how. There's people here today, you've come to Jesus a million times based on what you know 
them based on what you're taught. And all Jesus wants to do is just see your faith doing something towards him. Not based on what you know, but based on what you believe. Sometimes all faith can do is hang on during the midnight wrestling match. There's not a lot of polish, not a lot of power, but it's faith. None the less. Only he who attempts the ridiculous oftentimes achieves the impossible. Nobody makes a greater mistake than he who did nothing because he could only do a little. The lady with the issue of blood had the evidence of weak faith. There was that desire for healing and yet there was none that There was not that full trust that God could really do anything for her. She was just there for kind of last resort experimental type purposes. I've tried everything else. What's it going to hurt? I carried an ostrich, ashes of an ostrich egg with me last year. It's asking, God, what if? What if that place, just God, what if I, what if I show up and nothing happens? What if I reach out to you again and nothing happens? What if, what if is that place somewhere between your desire and divine intervention? Noah had a what if in his mind when the rain continued on for some 39 days. Joseph had a what if in his heart when he was tossed into prison. Hezekiah had a what if in his life when the prophet told him he was going to die. Elijah no doubt had a what if moment in his life when he told the prophets of Baal to really get down on it, man. See if you're God will answer Daniel had a what-if moment in his heart, no doubt, when he was being lowered into the lion's den. Peter probably had a what-if moment in his life when he was placed in that prison cell. Job had a what-if moment in his life before everything was restored back to him. I'm going to ask everybody to remain in the sanctuary. This is not a time to get up and exit. This is what the little card's talking about. There's people here right now that are having potentially, eternally life-changing decisions to be made in their mind and people want to get up and run out because the pastor's almost done preaching. Don't do that. I'm going to ask you to stay in the building. I'm sure Abraham had a what-if moment in his heart for some 24 years and 11 months before Isaac was born. If you'll stand with me this morning, there's, there are numerous scriptures that define the God that we serve. Our problem oftentimes is that we try so hard to define God instead of allowing the scriptures to define God. We want to figure him out, man, before we approach him. The psalmist said in Psalm 112 and verse 4, Unto the upright there ariseth light in the darkness. He is gracious, full of compassion, and righteous. And you're going to stand there and say, God don't love me? You're trying to define God. 
You're not letting God define himself to you. 1 Peter chapter 4, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial that is which to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice! Inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. 2 Samuel 22 says God saves the afflicted. Psalm 9 says God is a refuge in the time of trouble. Psalm 30 says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Psalm 37 says that God orders the steps of a good man. Psalm 62 says God is a rock in our salvation. He is the defense against the devil. Psalm 94 says the slipping foot is upheld by his mercy. The Bible does a fine job at defining God, and we don't have to. We just have to take our weak wobbly faith and move it towards him. So be of great joy this morning. God can and does work with weak faith. It's not the quantity of faith that's important. What's important is that you're willing to use the faith that you have. There's people here today that Trust has been broken. Confidence has been shattered. Your heart's been broken. Your emotional structure's a basket case. Somebody said one time in Moses' life, he was a basket case. But look what he went on to accomplish. I'm here to tell you, if God be for you, who can be against you? I am the Lord, and I have spoken my word. I've come today to challenge the faith that I have given you. You've questioned me. You've doubted me. You've doubted my love. You've doubted my concern. But I am here to manifest myself to you again. That with all the places you've been and all the things that you've done, you've never gone out of the sight of my eye. And you have yet to go beyond the reach of my hand. I am still God. I'm still a life changer. And I'm still the Savior of your soul. Believe in my word. Take hope in my promise. I have not failed. Where men have failed. Where your dreams have not come to pass. I am God and I change not. I am the same forevermore. My hand is still on you. I know you're wandering in and you're going forth. I know every step you've taken. I know every thought that you have thought. I know what's in your mind and your heart. But today I see your faith. If you'll reach out to me, I'll come to where you are. I can still change your life. I can still make your life worth living. Believe me, because I am God. I'm going to tell you, man, God is reaching hard right now. God's reaching hard. To every person in this building today, and there's somebody here right now at a crossroads, 
As a matter of fact, there's two people here today. You're at a crossroads. You're trying to make a decision. Which way am I going to go and what am I going to do? Am I going to continue my life of sin or am I going to choose God? You just heard what God had to say. He don't fail. He's not slack concerning His promise. God will take you by the hand. But you have to give Him something. Let's move towards Him just a little bit. As they begin to play and sing softly as our custom is, I want to invite everybody together around the front, everybody. We're not going to embarrass you by you coming by yourself. But if you're here today and you feel the presence of God, I want you to come. I want you to come as they begin. This is awesome. Thank you. This is so awesome. Thank you. I want you to come.